Welcome to In the Gutter, a podcast that is all comics, all bangers, all the time, with story expert Lonnie Diane Rich and superhero scholar Joshua Unruh. One of the hosts has read almost no superhero comics, and the other has read almost all of them. We'll let you sort out which is which. And now, In the Gutter. Here's the thing about getting old. It fucking sucks. Like, yeah, I... Yeah. Let me tell you how I threw my back out a couple of weeks ago. You want to know what I did? Was it moving furniture? No, it was not. Was it like doing something in the house, like fixing? No, it was not. You know what I did? I worked on my laptop on the bed without back support, without like well, having something. Yeah. You Listen, you paid your money, you <laughs> took your chances. You knew. You knew going in what the risks were. It's not like I, that snuck up on you because I'm younger than that. you and I know better to, than to do that. I'm not I that much done younger. That a thousand times and it's always been fine. But I have noticed that like lately, like the last like six, eight months or so when I do it, sometimes I'll be a little achy when I get up. So I'll just do some stretches, whatever. So I spent like a whole day and I was so excited. I just did all this work. I had all this work done, but we live in like a tiny little apartment. So there aren't a lot of places to be, you know? Um, and so I, I sat in the bed and I got really into the work and I just did that like all hunched over my little lap top the way that I absolutely should not be. And um, and my lower back was just like, you know what, bitch, I tried to warn you. And that's it for you. So um, so I had a couple of days where like, I, I couldn't really move. And we I have this old, like, beat up, terrible, ugly, like, you know, how Frazier's dad in Frazier had that oh, like yeah. ugly ass beat up chair. My chair is like along those lines, right? Little recliner. Um, and Ian has one in the living room. That's where he works. Then I have my little, you know, uh, recliner chair that's next to his and we would hang out and whatever. So my back was hurt and I sat in that. And by the end of the day, I felt so much better, like so much better. I was like, oh my God, this chair is magic. It's a magic chair. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to be fine because ordinarily I would be fine, right? I went to bed and because I lied down in the bed on my back and my back is mad at that bed. Like my back is holding a grudge like a real housewife of whatever city, insert city here, right? Um, so I went to bed and then I woke up the next morning, terrible. So I sat in the chair all day and then I was like, all right, at the end of the day, felt pretty good. Not 100%, but pretty good. I'm going to go to bed, went to bed, woke up next morning, still bad, right? So then I slept in the chair. I slept in the chair out in the living room with cats jumping on me constantly <laughs> all night. It was like trying to sleep in a train station where you are the train because they do these little, we have a tiny little apartment and I have one cat that is a, a murderous little son of a bitch, right? Like just wants to kill things and be outside and running around. And I've had her inside for three, four years in a 2000 square foot house, right? And then um, we moved to an 850 square foot apartment. She's losing her mind. So she just loops <laughs> through the house all day long, like on this constant loop. And part of that loop is the top of my head. So she would jump up on the thing while I'm trying to sleep. So this has been like a couple of weeks. 
I I slept in the be- in the chair for like three days. Then I went back to bed because I was like, all right, I'm feeling pretty good now. Feeling real good now. Slept for one night. Woke up the next morning, bent over like a crotchety old person in a Looney Tunes cartoon. Right. Um, so go through this cycle again, like three or four times, and I'm thinking to myself, well, that's it. I mean, that's it. I'm done for. Like I can't do anything anymore. I'm officially old. <laughs> this I is will how it never ends. heal. It, this is how it ends, is me sleeping in a freaking chair for the rest of my life. So now, finally, after this cycle where I felt better and I was like, oh, no, can't have that. Let's go back to bed. I was like, no, I'm going to wait until I am like 100% for two days, for yes. two days, and then I can go back and sleep in the bed, right? And I am 100%, Joshua, for two days. I sat in a chair that was not the recliner chair yesterday for three hours while I taught my class, which was amazing and so much fun. Um, and I felt great and I felt fine. So, um, so I mean, one thing, like, I'm grateful that I have a magic chair, a magic back healing chair. Absolutely. Yeah. But also I need to look at my life choices. I need to think about the way that I do things. I need to realize that my back does not like my bed. <laughs> Yeah, I, in my own experience, this is how it seems to me. It seems that, like, younger bodies know that they're still trying to figure out who they are and how they want to be. So they're very pliable. They're ready to be put into different situations. Whereas at the point that we're living, it's like our bodies see us make one choice and they're like, all right, that's what we're doing until we die. (laughs) So you spent a day choosing to be a laptop goblin and your back said, okay. I can fuse this way if that's what you want. So be it. And that is it. And, you know, Uh the thing is, is that, like, I have to say throughout my life, my body has put up with some bullshit. Like, I have not treated my body well. I have not, like, I have expected it to perform under all circumstances. My body is like... Like a wife that has been taken for granted by a sexist, misogynistic husband for 50 years, right? And then finally, one day, just picks up a frying pan and throws it at his head and is like, enough. Like, that is what my body is doing to me now. It, and, and, you know, and it's okay. I had a good run. It was 51 years before all this shit started to happen. So I'm yeah. feeling pretty good about that. But, uh, I but yeah. I so. don't love this imagery of my body being <laughs> Meredith Baxter. In a lifetime movie at all. <laughs> no, that's but at my the same body. time, I don't take no, care of mine, so listen, I don't appreciate it. Yeah, no. So say we all. That's what I'm getting at. It's uncomfortably close to home. I don't like it. It is. It's very uncomfortable. So speaking of uncomfortable, we've got this uh, issue of cap. Now I gotta say, like speaking last- speaking of mundane things, we have to slog through. <laughs> Here's the thing. The whole point of In the Gutter is that it's all bangers all the time. And I think we've been doing pretty well. Like first season, out of the gate, it was like, oh, this is awesome. Oh, this is amazing. Oh, this is incredible. We hit on Patsy this season. And I stumbled a little bit. I was like, this is a little, like, I get, I get where you came from. And I have to say, like, the further Patsy gets in my rear view, the more I like her. Like retroactively, (laughs) the more I'm like, Sure, she grows on you like a fungus. a, l- a little bit, like I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. And then you know we had the the JLA stuff, which was I mean we had Woman of Tomorrow, fucking amazing, blew my mind. I said I was Grant Morrison's bitch from that day forward. Then we had you know the Angels and Demons the, the stuff, very angels interesting. Angels had less Lonnie handles for sure. Right. 
Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And that's okay. Uh, but it was really interesting. And I love that I kind of got that perspective. When you were talking about scale, when we were doing Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe on Listen yeah. Up A-Holes, and you were talking about scale and like what the difference between DC and Marvel is, whereas I thought the difference was shiny and grungy, and I preferred the grunge, but that's not it. Like, yes, absolutely. You're talking about scale. Now I get it. Now I'm in it. Now I'm, okay, it's awesome. We do the first, you know, issue of Cap. We come back. There's all this like wonderful, like crunchy emotional torment and then we come here <laughs> yeah yeah like it's it's, it's not, not terrible the, it's not terrible i okay adam i would say we're still like cap is still a banger at the macro level right oh, like absolutely. this is good absolutely. yeah um yeah. but there, there are some choices, and I mean, it, we've we've talked about every now and then long form storytelling. You need some exposition mule, you know, issues yes. mm-hmm. or chapters. Mm-hmm. Like it's in a novel, mm-hmm. it's chapter. You know, hopefully, it's only maybe ten minutes out of your forty five minute show <laughs> that they have to like become Wikipedia articles. I'm looking at you, right. Supernatural. You know, but but it happens. It happens, uh-huh. and I think we're just kind of mired in that space with Captain America for at. For one more issue after okay. this one, too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which just, is just which is all right. Setting the table. A lot it, of setting the table. It happens. And the thing is, is that like I'm still in. But you know what? We did our response. I think I led into the response before we did the summary. Let's go back and do the summary and let the people know why we might not be thrilled about talking about this this particular issue. All right, Jack. Roll the summary music. In Captain America Winter Soldier number nine, we open at a secure government re-education facility just outside of Reno, Nevada, where two soldiers are chatting when they realize that their sentry has been taken out. And oh my God, it's Red Skull cosplay. I totally forgot about him. He's cutting a literal swath through the personnel, killing the two soldiers. Next, he busts into a girl's bedroom and tells her that if she keeps quiet, she might just live through the evening. And secure government re-education facility sounds so evil that I'm not really sure who the bad guy is here i mean okay it's the guy in the skull mask terrorizing a kid but still it's like by a hair secure government re-education facility and meanwhile above the altai mountains in mongolia helicopters are descending ready to drop fury cap and sharon into the action but before they drop cap wants to clear up some tension with sharon who is clearly pissed Flashback to yesterday in Brooklyn when Sharon comes at Cap, pissed that he didn't want her on the mission because she was there for revenge. She says she's the best field agent they've got and Cap just doesn't want her there because he's worried she'll kill Bucky. She says she's going on the mission and he can't stop her and that is that. And apparently that was that because now they're on the helicopter on their way to capture Lucan. Meanwhile, the only one to question Fury on what a bad fucking idea this is, is the pilot. But Fury just pats him on the head, tells him to do his job and all will be fine. Another flashback to two days ago as Captain Fury go on a walk in New York and Fury says that he couldn't get the clearance for the operation because it's fucking illegal, but they're going anyway because he's Nick Fury and causing an international incident is just another Tuesday for him. Cap says they need to talk about Sharon and now we're all caught up. So the helicopter lands at Lucan's HQ and they raid the place until they get into Lucan's boardroom meeting. Cap attacks Lucan, demanding to know where Bucky is when Fury realizes who all is there. People from the White House. Which, considering that Fury doesn't have clearance to do this op, is capital B bad. 
Lugan insists he doesn't know anything. The White House dudes are pissed, and Fury's looking like an asshole now. The White House dudes demand that Cap apologize to Lucan, but Cap refuses like a three-year-old and leaves. Lucan hangs out with his buddy Leon and threatens to castrate him, I think. Then he holds the cosmic cube while Leon frets over what it's doing to Lucan's mind, like Lucan was the absolute picture of sanity in the first place. Lucan says, hey, no big deal. He's just going to play with it a little bit. And the shot focuses on a folder that reads, Project Winter Soldier, Confidential Files. In the helicopter on the way home, everyone is sulking. Cap says he wants to see the smug grin wiped off of Lucan's face, and Fury says that Cap is soft. He wants to see Lucan dead. Back to Reno, where Red Skull cosplay, all right, all right, crossbones, is dragging the girl behind him, holding a rope tied to her wrists as he kills people on their way out. She wants to know if he's going to kill her, and he asks her if she even knows who she is. She says her name is Erica Holstein, and Crossbones says no, her name is Cynthia Schmidt, daughter of the Red Skull, and we close on her shocked and tearful face. All right, Josh. So um, I think I think we may have shown our cards a little bit on our response to this issue of of Captain America. Um, where are you with it? What's your overall response? Thoroughly whelmed. Like I feel like underwhelmed is not fair because I have read hundreds of thousands of much worse <laughs> comic books than this in my life. Mm-hmm. But you know, as far as like uh, where we have been. With the whole cap run, let alone, you know, our our return after uh, the the Jack Monroe issue. This is just it's just man, it's just not great. It's just not yeah. great. There's not enough meat on this bone. You know, what about yourself? Do you have any any differing opinion? <laughs> I mean, I have to say, like, I it's not my favorite. In the cap run, you know, so far, it's really high on exposition, super high on entitlement, and low on the emotional torment, which is really what mm-hmm. I come to cap for. Like, I come to mm-hmm. cap to make me feel the things that I won't feel in my regular everyday life because it's too scary. That's what fiction does, right? You know, <laughs> that said, I did like the stupid mission being a big, huge fucking failure. So that was yes. good. I mean, I appreciate yes. that. Um, and Crossbones capturing Red Skull's daughter is neat. And we have that nice mm-hmm. little twist at the end. And granted, like, I'm not a big, like, fan of the cliffhanger. I would definitely qualify this, though, as a a game changer a little bit, except that we don't know anything really about, at least I don't know anything about Crossbones. All I know is that he's he's a real huge, like, mega fan of Red Skull and is out to, like, yeah. avenge, you know. And and the daughter, you know, seems pretty great. Like, I, you know, I feel for her because she's at a, a government re-education facility, and that sucks. So basically, like, I'm rooting for her to just start taking people out, to use some of that that Schmidt DNA to just fuck some people <laughs> up. Um, so I'm hoping that she becomes a teenage, like, you know, war path, like, I am just going to fuck people up, because I'm really on her side. Hers is the side that I'm on in this whole thing. Um, so clearly there's another <laughs> card that we're tit- we were tipping that both of us are way more invested in the B plot of this right. of this issue. Like, way more. <laughs> Which is going to be a little frustrating because uh, Sin and Crossbones are going to be a thing. And I want to talk more about them as they become a thing. Okay. Well, I'm interested. Like, I'm interested in that story. Yeah. Yeah. There. So you've got 
and I think I think next issue is where we really get the first look at what mm-hmm. the Lucan storylines twist is going to yeah. be, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so we'll come back to that. But you're going to kind of have like three parallel storylines between Lucan and his growing problems, mm-hmm. Crossbones and Sin, lighting the world on fire in honor of the Red Skull, and you know Cap and the Winter Soldier's business. And they're not three completely separate things, but the way that they get tied together is really interesting because they look mm-hmm. pretty disparate. Like, you can see the pieces that overlap, but yeah. they wind up being really tightly tied together. And so because Sin and Crossbones are going to be such a huge, huge deal, I just want to put a pin in them and let them simmer so you can react to things as they happen. All right. Um, I am happy. I am happy to let that sit. On, on the stove for a little while, on the back burner. Um, but I'm definitely, definitely interested in everything yeah, that you're saying. Yeah, they're great. Oh, my God. All right. Well, Jack, put the music up. We're going to go to break real quick, and then we are going to come back and discuss this issue. All right, so the cover art on Captain America Winter Soldier number nine is we have like Cap with his shield on top of it. It reminded me of like a cheerleading pyramid kind of formation, right? You know, uh, except it's a soldier pyramid with faceless soldiers at the bottom, you know, and Sharon and Fury just under Cap and everyone is like a 70s action movie shooting in different directions, being shot at. There's bullets bouncing off a Cap shield. Um, you know, it's it's nicely done. It's kind of a standard action shot. Um, I feel kind of bad for the soldiers at the bottom of the pyramid who are clearly going to end up just being ground into the pile of bodies that, that oh, is sure. looming up There's here for this n- failed mission. No commentary on the military <laughs> industrial complex on this cover at all. None. No. None. No. Mm-mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so you know, I mean, it's it's nice. It's not like, again, I think whelmed. I think whelmed yeah. is probably a good yeah. place to sit on that. You know, it's all right. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's good. I mean, it's not like I can say it's poorly executed or anything. It just doesn't stand out, which kind of feels like that's in line with the issue. Appropriate. Appropriate for the issue. Um, Um, And yeah, for the interior art, what did you think about that? Well, okay, we do need to point out one difference, uh, that this is an entirely drawn by Lark issue. Mm -hmm. Epting's on the bench this month. Okay. Uh, probably because the monthly schedule just caught up with him, you know. Oh, like, it's so much to do. It's so much, and he's issues. not mm-hmm. known to be like super fast. You know, yeah. there are certainly people who are known for being much slower, and people mm-hmm. who are just like incredibly detailed and still somehow, you, you know, it's 30, 30, 22 pages every thirty days. Come hell or high water, but like Epting kind of is like that. I'm going to need a couple to catch up. So this is a full mm-hmm. Lark issue. But the thing is, that's not. I want to say that's not the the problem with it. Like, I, I don't no. think Epting, their mm-hmm. styles aren't the same, but they're very similar. I can't imagine Epting would have blown my mind in this issue either. It's just kind of like, right. here it is. You know, it's doing the thing. This is the, the material thing. you got. They did, right. I mean, they did their job. They came in yes. and they did the work. And you know what? Not everything is going to be amazing. And, right. and, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but one thing I did notice in this issue um is that that we're going last week we were like hey there's flashbacks but there's a story mm-hmm. purpose and it's not all about exposition and flashbacks really are only a problem if you're just doing them for exposition and then we crash into this issue 
where it's like, hey, you know that thing that we hinted at a second ago that you didn't need the backstory for? Like Sharon says, you didn't want me on this. Like we could have cut out all of those pages yeah, and just have Sharon and Cap fighting. Sharon says, you didn't want me on the mission. And he says in the helicopter, yeah, because I thought it was revenge. You think I'm going to kill Bucky? That's all you need. You could have had that conversation on the helicopter, right? Yeah. We don't need all these pages of flashback because we know these characters. We know that they had these conversations. They're talking about this conversation. Why are we flashbacking here? Especially because last issue, just last, ish- last issue, I was like, you did this right. Yeah. You know, yeah. you did it right last week. What's going on now? Especially because the only thing I really like about the flashbacks is just how messy Sharon's response. She doesn't even get behind closed doors. She is screaming at this man at the top of her lungs about super secret government bullshit and their personal feelings about it. Like, no. And then just smug arm cross. No, you just did. I just, you brought up, it's like Real Housewives of S.H.I.E.L.D. is like, and that's, that's not shade on Sharon. It's just, uh-huh. she's so messy. And so, yeah. it, but but then you say, very rightly, just now, they could have had this conversation on the helicopter, which would have been even messier because and Nick better. would have had to turn around and been like, you know, no, none of the kids want to see mommy and daddy fight right before we go into battle. You guys want to chill out. Would have been great. <laughs> Much better. And even messier than screaming on the street. Yeah, it's just not necessary at all. Yeah, you know, I mean, so like that, I don't understand, especially from a team that clearly knows what they're doing, right? You know, at at the same time, like, let's revisit the monthly schedule for these things, right? Like, when you're writing comics, and I say this as somebody with experience podcasting with somebody who worked in comics, (laughs) talking to Elisa over on the Endless podcast about the Sandman schedule and how these things... Like the the fact that you've got, you know, like including cover and all that, like 26 pages maybe of like all of this Mm -hmm. artwork, which, by the way, artwork that needs to be drawn, that need to be colored, inked, you know, uh, your letterer has to get them. Like there's such a process. The the there's the script written, then there's the editorial notes, then there's going back to the writer, then there's getting it to the art team in time, and you have a date. That this has to hit, like you have to hit all of these dates to do all of that in a month with that many people working collaboratively on it. um, That is a lot of work. And so sometimes, you know, like as as somebody who like, you know, I write novels, right? So when I write stuff like this that like I know better, but I've got to get my words in during a day, like mm-hmm, I can mm-hmm. go back and edit that later. Like that gives me like I get a little more time to work through the whole thing and polish it. Same thing if you're writing like a movie or if you're doing something like that. When you're doing TV shows, when you're doing, um, you know, serial storytelling like this, like you are laying down track as the train is coming. Coming, right yeah and sometimes yeah. you just gotta you're laying down track that gets the train where it's gotta be like and so yeah. i do like i completely respect that and i understand that this is all uh you know very challenging so again one of the things critics versus creators thunderdome creator wins hands down every time so i'm just gonna you know throw that out there well there's also a current a current big like refrain of yours specifically mm-hmm. is you know, uh, uh, done is better than perfect, you know? Absolutely. And, 
And when you factor in, yeah, it takes way less time to write the comic than it does to draw it and all the other stuff, right? So writers are working further ahead, but also sometimes it's just like, okay, we all know this stuff has to get done here. I tried to make it more interesting. I don't know if I managed it, but I got to move on to the next issue. Like, you know, um, and and that sometimes it's like, I got a fight in there and they'll save me on the art. And then the art's also fine. They don't save you on the art. It's, you know, and it happens. So none of this is super shade. I still said, we talked at the top of the show. I still think Cap is going to be like macro a banger. And and even on individual issues more often than not. But we are in kind of a rough road of like (laughs) flashback choices. It's, right it's a little it's a little whelmy right at this point yeah. like that's kind of yeah. like where we are and i think that that's fine like the thing is is that like as a story expert and as a storyteller i find it really valuable to be able to look at other people's work do the analysis and learn lessons from it so yeah, i'm yes. mining this stuff for lessons you know for things to help me when i'm doing my stuff you know and i look back at my own stuff and have also criticism but i always feel bad whenever i get into the critical part no, totally. of I love, I love loving up on creators. That is my favorite thing to do. Um, but when we get into the thing where we're like, eh, you know, whatever, like I always, I always feel bad about it. So I always just want to make sure that I make all of this clear that this is not easy to do. And people who make no, things yes. and create things are absolutely doing sacred work. That said, let's talk about Fury and Cap and Entitlement and what the hell is going on here. Fury thinks that just because he wants to do a thing, he should be able to do a thing. The pilot is clearly uncomfortable. And the ways in which, like, we have that, that you know, image on the cover, right, of the mm-hmm. the Lieutenant Expendable just all over the bottom, <laughs> right, you know? And then we've got this pilot who is clearly uncomfortable with this situation, who is being pulled by somebody above him in rank, so he doesn't have any choices, right? But he's yeah. going to be the one... That's left over, you know, talking to Congress about this someday, right? You know, like, it's just such a shitty thing. And then Fury just pats him on the head and is like, just do your job, soldier, and shut the fuck up, right? You know, and I'm like, no, he's questioning authority, which is really hard for him to do. And also, maybe think about the fact that you're freaking out this pilot who's clearly, like, in the military, has seen some shit, you know, this guy isn't going to crap his pants over nothing. You know, like if yeah. he's worried, you listen to him, right? So the way that Fury spoke to the pilot, I did not care for. Um, you know, Cap thinks that he has the right to decide whether or not Sharon should go on a mission without talking to her. So Sharon's being pissed. Like, I get it. Like, these men are just deciding that. And then Fury apparently goes and tells Sharon or was going to not have Sharon be on the thing. And Sharon just insisted anyway. Like, we don't actually know what happened with that whole mess. But it is Real Housewives of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, it is like all of this. We're just short of Sharon throwing a drink in somebody's face and hitting their little chihuahua in a purse. Like, it is such a mess. So they all bust in on Lucan. Right. Without any concern for the consequences of that action. Um, I do like they get caught that they get caught by basically Fury's bosses, you know, and it is a little humiliating for him. So I do, I do like that the text is like, we're not having this bullshit. You know, we're, we're taking you guys down a peg, but this behavior from Cap and Fury is just, I'm looking at him like, you've got to be nuts. What are you thinking? I mean, this, this is the hobby horse I was riding a little bit last episode already Mm -hmm. because they were talking about this op. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. man, it, it, 
it's awful. It's just cops all the way down. Like it's uh, international cops, misogynist cops, interpersonal cops. Fury's got to cop the world. Cap has to cop Sharon. Sharon would be the only person who's sort of justified with throwing drinks, except she's also yeah. on board with the completely illegal international incident. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's not great. Yeah, she's not arguing because they're doing stupid shit. She's arguing because they were going to leave her at home while they did the stupid yeah. shit. Yeah, excuse me. <laughs> this is just as much my dumbass idea as your dumbass idea. No glass ceilings for dumbass ideas at S.H.I.E.L.D. No, sir. It's, it's bad. Just- it's so it's so bad and it's so disappointing. Like I'm disappointed. Like I'm not mad, guys. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in all of them. I'm disappointed in Fury. I'm disappointed in Cap. I'm disappointed in Sharon. I do like the fact though that the text, like my, you know, like I always say, like I don't mind when people misbehave as long as the text knows they're misbehaving. Right. And I feel like because all of this turned out super, super stupid and fucked, right? That I feel like the text is saying yeah, this is this is dumb shit. And y'all shouldn't have done it in the first place. Right. I think, you know, but like we have to see how the story ends. Like you don't know what it means until it ends. And if at the end, you know, we end up looking on this escapade as like Fury and Cap and Sharon were right. And you all should have known and not told us not to do things we want to do, you know. Um, So it depends on how the whole story ends. But in this issue, it feels like basically they all got, you know, egg on their face. And I'm okay with that. Yes. But there's a part of this. There there was interpersonal and emotional egg also, and none yeah. of that egg actually gets on their face, right? Like, yeah. nobody involved in this mission at a command level is uncompromised. Like, like Cap is a mess, and mm-hmm. the idea that he would be able to decide that Sharon was more of a mess because her mess was different is crazy. <laughs> but the <laughs> fact that Fury doesn't go, listen... You two could not be less field ready on this. Like he exactly. compromises, he compromises other shield personnel. He compromises yes. national security, which kind of fucked national security conceptually, but it's Nick Fury. He should care, you know, yeah. like he fucks all this stuff by from jump, not just by making it illegal, but then doing the illegal <laughs> yeah. thing with people who could not be, you don't go on criminal escapades with people that might fuck around and get you caught, you know? <laughs> and that's when it's just caught, let alone like shot yeah. or exploded or whatever. It's just, yeah, there, and that part never really gets, um, I mean, there's sort of a subtext where Cap is a yeah. dick for deciding mm-hmm. that she's, that Sharon is compromised and he isn't when, what? Mm-hmm. Like there, but, but it's not, even that doesn't get the kind of like, the way that you've loved the emotional handles in this thing, I'm surprised yeah. we dwell on the incident, international incident more than the interpersonal incident. Well, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing that matters. And Fury telling both of them, uh, we're not doing this thing. You guys are not ready. You know? And then Cap and Sharon just going and doing it and fucking it up because they're both oh. a mess. Like, I could, I could live with that if it was just the two of them going rogue and God. arguing about who shouldn't be there. Okay. Yes, if it's like, yes, if it's like mm-hmm. a, a angry buddy cop 
yeah. they go off book. But I don't want Fury's hands to be clean. Like when they come back, I want Fury to be like, no, I totally knew that's what you would do. You were my plausible deniability. So everybody <laughs> yeah. is still an asshole. So everybody's still an asshole. They're Absolutely. all assholes. Because yeah. Fury, okay. Fury should not get out of this without mud. But this is the thing. Like that's, there's just like, and those are the kinds of things like when, when y'all are writing for the writers who are out there, um, those are the kinds of like tweaks that you could, like if you really want to do something, if you're like one that they need to go to Luke and they need this to happen because this is something that, you know, then just mess it up. Bring like when people are emotionally a mess, use that, ride that yeah. horse out of any barn that you're on, you know, and just make sure that your text knows that these people are, are misbehaving, you know, um, and that they know it too. Like they should feel shameful. But the fact that they're bringing this entire team of people into a situation where they could get killed, you know, and we don't care about like the, the, the pile of Lieutenant expendable bodies that are just littering the mm -hmm. path here. You know, um, this is not a righteous mission. So, um, so I think that plus not to mention the fact that it fails horribly that you're going, you're, you're not drawing Luke in to your stage. You're going to his stage. What did you think was going to happen? Yeah. This is his headquarters for Christ's like sake. Like he hasn't been a step ahead of you the whole damn time. And exactly. you're just going to go. It's, exactly. it is. Again, we know it's stupid, but the more you think about it, the dumber it gets. The you know? dumber it gets. So let's talk about the thing that is actually... I had one oh, more sorry, thing. This, yeah. No, no, no. I think this is really interesting because uh, um, I, d I didn't think about it this way until we were talking about it. But one of the things that you have been most impressed by in mm -hmm. superhero and comic book storytelling in general is that because they're, they only have so much space, there's an economy of storytelling that everything is doing two yes. or three things. Mm -hmm. everything in this issue just does one thing. Yeah. I think that's the problem. Like all mm -hmm. of it just does the one thing. If, if we had had angry buddy cops, we'd be doing two things. If we mm -hmm. had the argument on the helicopter, we'd kind of be doing two things, but everything here is just so straightforward. And again, that's not really a complaint. Like it's bad. It's just that you can now contrast an mm -hmm. excellent writer when they get, all of their scenes to do two or three things at once versus yep. the exact same excellent writer writing a scene that only does one thing. It's not bad, yeah. but mm -hmm. you can see the difference. It's like a little JV versus varsity stuff. It's a little there. JV versus varsity. And also like, you know, and especially when you get into the middle of a story and you know, you've got to put this connective tissue together, you know, you've got to do X, Y, and Z in order to make it work. And sometimes you know, like everybody, like creativity is, is, a you know, a gift that gives and a gift that withholds sometimes, you know, <laughs> and sometimes you've just got to get the work done. And like I said, done is better than good. Like your job as a creator is to finish what you're working on. It is not for that to be perfect. It is not for it to be great. And the reason why I criticize is so that I can learn these lessons so that when I have these issues in my writing, I can learn from excellent writers who stumble. Yes. You know, like yes. excellent, excellent creative team, like absolutely no shade on the creative team. Um, but yeah, like these are like, this is all selfishly motivated. I want to learn these lessons so that <laughs> I can have them handy in my head and apply them later when I need them, which I will because I'm working on a novel this year. And yeah, that's terrifying. So um, it, back to the things that actually- Meanwhile. Kind of great. Meanwhile, the in B the great plot. part, the B plot, <laughs> right? Uh, the four pages of B-plot that's actually really good is that we've got, you know, Red Skull cosplay 
crossbones coming in, right? Um, and I had completely forgotten about this dude between the mm-hmm. last time we talked about him was last season, you know. Um, so we come in, I saw him, I was like, oh, hey, here's this guy. He's clearly up to no good, right? Like, clearly a bad guy. But he's capturing a girl who is being held prisoner at a government re-education facility, which, by the way, they haven't even rebranded to try to make it something that doesn't sound fucking (laughs) sketch, right? Yeah. Um, so at this point, I'm like, he says, uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's terrifying. He busts into a room. He says, if you shut up and do what I say, you might live through the evening, right? That's terrifying. This poor kid, right? Who is falling out of frying pan into fire, right? You know, but at the same time, I'm like, well, you know, before she's in a facility with like multiple people keeping her from getting out and whatever. And now mm-hmm. there's just this one dude. So maybe, maybe it's from fire into frying <laughs> maybe pan. Maybe she's moving up. <laughs> maybe she's moving up. Um, so I, like, I'm not really all that broken up about it. Um, she clearly doesn't know who she is, which by the way, like there is a whole pile of who the fuck do you think you are government re-education facility yeah. um, to decide that this girl doesn't get to know who she is and she's been going through she's been brainwashed to some degree and so here we have crossbones who is also like clearly not a good dude not you know he's dragging her out by tied wrists like this is not good right you know at the same time he is de-gaslighting her and i can appreciate somebody who's you know maybe dickish about it but at least telling you the truth you know, and then I imagine none of this is going to end well for poor Cynthia Schmidt, but I kind of hope that it does. I'm like, I have, I have hope that she is going to like beat the shit out of people. And even if she becomes a bad, like a villainous character, like in this whole roundup, um, I don't hate it. Like, you know, like when this shit is what gets done to you, you know, I can, I can see how Cynthia might have some issues to work out on people's faces. Yeah. I mean, um, we're just going to have to watch how much she's put in the driver's seat. (laughs) And then once she is, where she goes. We'll just have to keep an eye on it. I am very loath to discuss it ahead of time. But Mm -hmm. I will say, do you remember the last time like Lucan showed up and you were like, oh, yeah, I forgot he's our villain. That is actually a testament to how good the overall thing is, is that it's not like those balls are ever dropped. It's like Mm -hmm. they're just being juggled off to the side. And then brought in when we need them. And I mean, Crossbones is clearly not a a planner to the level that like (laughs) Lucan or Fury is. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But he's so he's an agent of chaos. He's just going to be a big mess in the middle of these other well orchestrated plans and counter plans. And I'm like, yeah, I'm excited about that. I, I am, am into very that. Interested. I am very interested in where that's going, but I will stop the conversation there because I know there's a lot of spoilers we do not want to get into. Uh, so let's go ahead, Jack, roll the music. Uh, we're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a second. All right, Joshua, here we are um, in this, again, whelming issue uh so what was your favorite what was your favorite page of art this sounds so much worse than it is kind of none of it like none of it really stands out to me Mm -hmm. the the, not to step on your toes the one you're going to talk about being your favorite was probably the closest 
Yeah. But even then I was like, oh, it's just really damning with faint praise. So, and again, this is a whelming thing. It's not, it's not uh-huh. that it's bad. It's just that nothing in here really jumps out and demands that that I pay attention to it. Kind of including the cover. Because, you know, I yeah. cheated a couple of times with Patsy and it was the cover that was my favorite piece of art. And I regret nothing, you know. Um, but in this case, it's like, yeah, it's all just, you know, doing its job yeah. adequately. But it just doesn't stand out. So please save me from my, uh, I was going to say negativity, but really neutrality. And tell me the thing that got you excited. Okay. Again, like I'm not going to say that it got me. I'm, I say like out of all of the art, this was my favorite art. You know, was I like completely blown away by it? Not really, but okay. That's all right. You know, uh, but the it's basically the action sequence where they're raiding Lucan's headquarters. Um, and, and there's this one shot where it looks like, you know, when you watch, uh, maybe you don't do this, but when you watch yoga videos um, on YouTube and you're like, how in the world did you get into that position? Like, how did this happen? And that's what I feel like happening. Like, we have Cap coming down, right? <laughs> Uh, yes. From apparently like leaping in the air or jumping from a platform. I don't know how the hell he got this particular momentum, right? There's three guys. So Cap has his two legs splayed out, kicking two guys in the face, right? Mm-hmm. And then Naturally. he's got his hand down between his legs, right? Which is pushing on the face of a third soldier, right? Yes. Um, And he's got his cap shield out. And I'm like, this is... I mean, you know, like it has, it has like, you know, very like, you know, Jack LaLanne vibes. Like there's mm-hmm, just like mm-hmm. all of this. It's such a weird position and it's so funny and it, ridiculous looking. Um, and how in the world that like kicking two guys in the face, pushing another one while his ass is coming down on that guy. So his ass is going to be in that guy's face just by how gravity works. Like uh, all of the yeah. things, not just what's happening in the moment, but how this is going to land, how like literally land, um, I think is it looks ridiculous. It's also somehow cool looking. Um, and I know right. that superheroes in weird physical <laughs> positions is kind of a thing. <laughs> and, and, and the cool looking but kind of ridiculous is like yeah. exa- that is as far if you ask me, I don't even care if we're doing 70s Cold War thriller Captain Uh America. Cool looking but kind of ridiculous is the sweet spot for all superhero comics. 100%. Yes. It's it's, it's pretty great. All right. So what's your favorite part of the story? What's your favorite story? Okay. This was kind of tough. Um, Mm -hmm. I really liked the little bit on the battlefield between Mm -hmm. Captain America and Sharon. When she's like, I totally had that guy. I don't doubt it. This changes nothing. I'm still pissed at you. I don't doubt that either. Like both of the, <laughs> yeah. that is funny. That is mm-hmm. funny. And and I'd like to believe that it's like if Cap just apologized, Sharon would be like, yeah, you know what? Fuck you. But this is this is like an mm-hmm. olive branch that she can pick up when she wants, and she is not ready to pick yeah. it up. But it's mm-hmm. there whenever she wants. I, it feels very in keeping with the characters, you know. It's a good moment. Um, it is absolutely yeah. a good moment. What about yourself? Favorite part of the story, as though we didn't know already. <laughs> I think Cynthia. I, the moment where he uh-huh. says, you're Red Skull's daughter, you're Cynthia Schmidt, right? And she just has this look on her face, like, what in the fuck is happening? Um, you know, I, I like that moment. I like that surprise. I had forgotten 
entirely about crossbones. Red Skull is so far back in my rearview mirror that I've just like, whatever. Oh, yeah, right. He was in this, right? Um, <laughs> so, like, I, I like that they're pulling, they're weaving in this this thread that was just left to the side a while ago, and now they're weaving it into the fabric. And it fits. It works. I'm interested. Mm-hmm. And it was honestly the thing that kept me most interested, uh, you know, in, in the issue. And, you know, and that's okay. It, it, this this happens every now and again. You just get whelmed. Sure, but I love how invested you are in sin. That's really yeah. exciting. Like mm-hmm. out of the gate, and uh, it's worth mentioning that the last time we saw Crossbones, he yeah. was chumping the shit out of Captain America, and then just <laughs> refused to finish the job because it was such a goddamn embarrassment. Oh and right, I that is about literally that. the last time we saw him, and then he yeah. would just walked away from that fight. And I can imagine spent like a couple of days pouting, like, "How dare he show up with his B game when I'm trying to murder him? <laughs> what am I going to do instead? How am I going to honor the? That would have been too easy. Even even Red Skull wouldn't have wanted me to take that one. What should yeah. I do instead? Oh, I'll go I... get Cynthia. Yeah, and then he just does it. We saw none of the planning. You know, other uh-huh. other writers might have shown us like him Ocean's Elevening that shit just to tease yeah. it along. No, he went from pouting, this is a bullshit non-fight, I will not win it because it won't be a real win to... <laughs> to raiding yeah. a government facility. Yeah, which, no, no by, distance, I mean, one to the oh next. Oh my God, oh my God. I, You know what? And I have to say, like in the beginning, when I was like, who is this dude? The fucking skull mask. <laughs> And you were like, watch it. That's Crossbones. I kind of see, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm coming on board with that. Like, Crossbones is actually interesting to me. I love that he, you know, refused to, to, uh, you know, go so low as to fight a Captain America not in his prime, right? You know, yeah. like he's just like, I'm not going to do that. Um, and then just randomly goes and like bust through. And like you're talking about, like, oh, we didn't show the planning. I, I don't believe for a minute that Crossbones planned shit. He he was just like, oh, no, he no, just no. had a little fireball one night and just busted into a facility, just killing okay. everyone. <laughs> I do not hate that image, but I'm telling you, he is like Mr. Get planner. Shit Done. He uh-huh. was, he's Red Skull's Get Shit Done guy. Like, well, I've sent a bunch of mooks. The mooks aren't getting it done. Crossbones, could you please go show them why you get the mm-hmm. pirate cosplay? Go do the thing. And then and then he leaves and you don't see uh-huh. him for a month and he comes back and he's like, those guys are dead. It's fine. I took care of it. Like, yeah, no, Mr. Get Shit Done. Watch, watch him. It's good. It's All good. right. On that note, we're going to let y'all know that due to a one-off tie-in issue that has really nothing to do with the storyline, we will be skipping Captain America Winter Soldier number 10 and continuing next week, not with number 10, but instead with Captain America Winter Soldier number 11, um, in which, wait, wait, shit, what? Captain America okay, number 11 okay. and Winter Soldier part three? Because the actual title of this, this is the part that the whole, that your collection is named after. This is the part that's actually, because remember the, I forget what the subtitles were for the other ones, but the the actual title yeah. for this one is this series of six, seven issues, something is uh-huh. the actual Winter Soldier part that the collection gets named for. It's Winter Soldier part three. What is part it, three? Is like the, I get Captain America 11. No. The Winter so Soldier part 11, three. 11, 10, nine was Winter yeah. Soldier Part 1 in a collection called The Winter Soldier. 
you know what? I'm not doing this I'm to you. We're not doing this. So confused. I'm, we're gonna by do this. this. Just do Captain America number eleven and leave the rest of this off so that we don't confuse anybody. It'll be great. Okay. Trust me. I'm sorry I, I even did that to you. In no, the no, no, interest no. of okay. of being correct, I have made us confused instead. We're skipping. No, it. like first of all, like that's okay. How these things are named is it's the so nuttiest stuff. It's stupid. I can never, like, no matter what, I can never figure it out. It is I told you so this is confusing. literally the series that made me realize I would have a hard time. This is the one that somebody had to call me on video chat <laughs> from the comic book store so I could help him pick the right one. This, it's the, it's not, yeah, it's a real... All right, Jack, leave all of that in. We're just going to keep going. Just go ahead. I don't understand how anything is <laughs> done, but I also don't know how to come back from that. Okay, so next week we're coming back with Captain America number 11, in which there is yet more exposition, but at least the framing device is really clever. Until then, so let me just get this straight. You mounted an assault on sovereign territory against an important friend of the U.S. and the U.N. on a hunch? Thanks for listening to In the Gutter with Joshua Unruh and Lonnie Diane Rich. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider talking about it with your friends, leaving a review somewhere, or supporting Chipperish Media, patreon.com slash chipperish. <laughs>